Hello, Moto America fans. It's time for another episode of Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you may even learn something from this unlikely pair and their special guest. The mic is yours, Paul and Sean. Hey, Moto America fans. It's Paul Carruthers here. I'm the communications manager for Moto America, and this is Moto America's weekly podcast, Off Track. I'm joined today, as always, by my counterpart in Ohio, Sean Bice, and uh, we've got a good guest today that, uh, put it this way, Sean's been working on this guest for, for quite a while, and uh, because things come together a little bit late, sometimes um, we had to wait, but I think it's going to be well worth the wait. So, Sean, why don't you tell us real quick what we've, uh, what we've got in store for today? Yeah, I'm really excited about the the guest today. I mean, you're right. I haven't been working on this guy for a little while. And, you know, I, I actually told him the honest truth a couple of days ago. He's one of my, my favorite people and most fascinating people to talk to in the paddock. And he was he's humble enough to think that was a little surprising, but it's it's really true. And it's it's Steve Scheibe and, and Steve has Scheibe racing right now and he's racing BMWs. Um, he's been with Moto America for really the beginning, since the beginning, and has worked with a fair number of riders in that time. But, you know, for people that know uh, AMA Racing, they know Steve was behind the Harley-Davidson program, the VR1000 program. And Steve's a, a unique guy because he's a he's an engineer and he thinks like an engineer, but he also has a, a nice personal side to him. I think both sides of his brain work that way. And uh, I appreciate that in him. And the other thing, I love to talk to him because I think he's got a, a, an awesome uh, accent that's, you know, sort of Wisconsin, sort of Michigan, a little bit Canada. So um, anyway, Steve's fascinating and I could go on forever talking about him, but let's bring him in and, and talk to him directly. Um, hi, Steve. Thanks so much for being on our podcast. We're excited to have you. Well, thanks for the invite. And you've been inviting me for a while, as you say, and it's a good time to get it done. Yeah, I'm excited. You know, we obviously wanted to time it out after you had uh, got your rider for this year. Of course, you had Jake Gagne last year as your rider, and then he moved over to Yamaha, so you had an opening. And uh, it, it's it's amazing how, you know, there was so much speculation of who, was, who you were going to have or where Josh Heron was going to go. And when it was finally announced that Josh Heron is on a BMW, um, you know what the cult of Josh Heron is on social media, and I'm sure you've witnessed a lot of it. Um, I think you have a good one in that you've seen him ride. Um, I guess the first question we've got for you is how, how did it come together? Because, you know, obviously you were aware as everybody else was the situation with Yoshimura and how, how things were going to go with Suzuki. And, you know, did you contact him? Did he contact you? How did you find out that he was available and how did that process start? Well, the way it worked for me was I knew at the end of the season, shortly after it, that Yamaha was going to pick up Jake and, uh, and I knew that we wouldn't know what we were doing for a program for a while. So I'm never in a hurry at the end of the year. It always takes me a while to piece together exactly who's on board and what we're going to do for the following season. Um, during that period, you know, several writers contacted me, quite a few writers, um, very capable. And one day Josh called me. I don't remember the date. It was probably sim right around the time the Yoshimura announcement happened. And he just expressed interest. And we had a, well, we had a conversation just to... Uh, at a high level, just to make sure we could do business together. And, uh, we quickly agreed we could. And, uh, and we just agreed to stay in touch and, 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 uh, see how it all worked out. So we kept, uh, in touch from time to time. And I kept working through the, what I needed to do on my side to 
gather up uh, everything I needed to put the program together for the next year. And, and uh, it just came together. So we did it. Steve, it's probably pretty accurate to say that um, the off season, when you have things like this and you don't have a rider under contract, you're not settled for the next year. Sometimes that can probably seem more difficult than the actual going racing part. Is that right? That's right. I agree with that. A lot of people, they keep asking me, what do you do in the off season? Well, that's harder. You don't know exactly right. what you're doing. So you're always working on trying to, you know, there's a lot of things you have to plan and juggle and you're downstream of a lot of other people's decisions. So, so you can't, the cadence you, you end up with is not your own. You just wait for people. So, yeah. You know, it's funny, Steve, one of, one of the things about watching Josh last year when he was with Yoshimura Suzuki is he and Jake Gagne, your rider from last year, were together a fair amount. I mean, they seem to be racing around on the track quite a bit. So it's funny how Josh got a bit of an intimate uh, closeness to your, your team and your ride. Um, I don't think there was ever any controversy surrounding it, but you, you certainly got a chance to see and you know his prowess on a motorcycle. Um, I'm sure uh, he's going to be as motivated ever as ever to get a, a win and for him to get a win on that bike after one on a Suzuki and having wins on Yamahas would be quite a story to tell. Um, you must you must be excited about the potential that you you see and know in, in Josh as a rider. Is that correct? Well, certainly. I mean, I certainly know of his background and I knew of him, you know, back in the Yamaha days and, <clears throat> and coming up through the ranks a bit. Um, I knew, you know, what he did in the national championship and, and I know I've seen what he's done in motor America since I've been there and we were competing in super stock at the same time he was, um, he was the champion in 16. And then to your point this year on the racetrack, um, you know, Jake was you know injured at the beginning of the season, but as he, as he worked himself up to speed, as the year went on, you know, we started encountering, uh, you know, Josh quite a bit from time to time on the track. And I remember standing on the pit wall, watching them repeatedly draft past each other on the front straight of the jerseys. So that was interesting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was fun. So, yeah. So we all, you know, he got to take a good look at our bike on the track and we got to, you know, focus on him because of it. So, yeah. So it's, uh, I'm certainly looking forward to what we can do with it this year. You know, the bike performance, we've never run into a, you know, any barriers yet and why we can't, can't win and we keep you know everything we've encountered so far we've been able to get past so i'm excited to see see where we're at with, with josh and what we can do yeah i was going to ask you that it seems like um although from the outside looking in people might be like okay how far can we go with this bike etc cetera, etc cetera. but you don't seem to think that way i mean you you haven't stopped working obviously and the bike continues to improve race to race is that do you agree with that yes i agree with that I mean, you got in the beginning of the program, we weren't so focused on the bike performance itself. As you remember, we kind of entered the sport as a, you know, as a project for Hayes. And that has transitioned as the years went on to, to graduate, as we accumulated data and so forth and worked on the business side of it, what we were doing for Hayes, it's transitioned to, you know, my ultimate goal was to be back in the national championship again and win races uh, when, when able. Um, but you have to get the business side done first. And we've transitioned every year increasingly towards towards just racing for the championship. I would say our bike performance really turned around in 18, uh, mid-year. And we made some changes that were, there's always been a, some fundamental complaints about the BMW. It's very strong in many respects, but there was one fundamental area we were always, you know, it's always been kind of a weakness. And we finally found a way to work around that in 18 as, a, as we got more focused on it. And uh, we've been strong ever since, the bike has. so. 
um, you know, our electronics have improved and, and uh, we don't really see any barriers at the moment. We might learn some new ones. Do you, um, you've had a fair number of riders on the team for whatever reason. I mean, you, you had heck Steve Rapp has raced it, uh, Sylvain Barrier, Jason DeSalvo, obviously Danny Eslick, Jake, you know, I would say there are a huge, uh, there's a huge disparity of styles between those riders. Probably Jake is a very smooth rider compared to Danny. You know, Josh Heron, I think he's smooth, but he's sort of known for being all over the bike and having a lot of movement movement with the bike, and he likes that. Is has that is that a benefit to you that you've had really a fair number of riders and a lot of riders of different styles on that bike? Is it has it helped you, or is it sort of in some ways chasing a moving target a little bit? And and what are you looking at with J what you know of Josh Heron's style on a bike um, as far as how it's going to go this year? Well, that's a good question. No, I, I think it's been very beneficial to have all those people on the bike. They've all contributed to the program to where we are. You know, each one brings a different, you know, a different talent and a different strength to it and a different focus. You know, every, every rider talks about things in, in a bit different language and they have a bit different focus about what it takes to make them comfortable and, and be able to ride hard. You know, so we, um, even Larry Pegram rode the bike for a race, you know, just it, all their inputs. That's right, Larry. Right, right. So all their inputs been collectively helpful. Because we don't have a team, we're only one bike. And so that's always the disadvantage is you have one bike that's an off-brand and where do you get your information and knowledge? So we've had to build it through all these people. You know, so each one of them has, has helped. So you know, Danny was particularly helpful in identifying what we needed to improve in 18 and, and, uh, and we got that. I mean, even Steve Rapp back in you know, 15, 16, he identified some problems that we couldn't fix on corner entry until we got different electronics. And he never got to experience that, unfortunately. But um, so yeah, so we've we've grown through all these different issues. To uh, we're very pleased with where the bike performance is now. And in the beginning, we didn't we were, we were super stock, so we had a stock engine. We the BMW was strong out of the box back then, so we didn't do anything to the engine. And we didn't start doing things to the engine performance until eighteen. So that, then we finally started getting super bike performance, and that's been remarkably easy on the BMW. We just um, you know just a little bit of work that we can do within the rules and. And we got a very, very competitive power plant. So we're pleased with that. Steve, you've told me before, it's it's been a while, but I mean, I think back early days, um, you mentioned to me that like the, the challenge for you from an engineering standpoint of having a bike that not everybody else has is is kind of the buzz you get from this. In other words, <laughs> instead of just going and buying an R1 that you could probably be, could have been more competitive with quickly you you like the challenge of of the way you're going about things with the bmw yeah you're right i i do like that i i, I i've always raced for product you know product and performance development i i want to that's how i started in the harley days all my career has been that it's been increasing performance and understanding it so the like in the harley we, we, when you had to make your own motorcycle which we did back then the engine literally we had to make every single part of it there's 800 parts or whatever there's in the engine we had to you know, design and source all of that so so that's that's the interesting part it comes with a lot of responsibility of you know, you know trying to figure out how to succeed but the um so so i like to know how to i want to know how the principles work and being able to manipulate the principles around till we get the performance we're looking for not to seek out the settings that are, people are using you know, so I've worked on the shock dynos in the past, you know, looking for you know, side loading and how, how the bearings work and the seals work and the drag and so forth, and how that affects the damping. 
you know, I've had a lot of background with that. You know, what's what's the friction in the eyelets? And so, you know, things like that are all things that, you know, in high-level engineering people think about, high levels of sport. <clears throat> so that's that's the area I like to work in, you know, the stiffness, the swing arm stiff side, you know, what do we do with all that? So the, you know, the, the track, I, I want to be past the, just put tires on it, put gas in it, and change the clickers until people are happy. So, so that's, the BMW was perfect for me because I could see the solid engineering in it. And, uh, and, and there, and there was a, you know, still an unproven road ahead. So I was, that was a fun challenge to me. So that's why I took it. I don't know that I would have done all this on a different brand myself. Right. As far as the Hayes thing that just lined up to, well, fine, I'll do that. I, I believe in the brand and I believe in the, you know, the engineering I see. And, and I drive BMWs in my personal life. So I've been working with them for a long time, the park systems and all the rest of it. So it just seemed like a good fit. It's funny. One of the most awesome things that you've told me, Steve, I can't remember if I told Paul this story, but I think it, I don't know if it was the first year. I, I think it might've been the first year you had the bike in 15, but I had commented on the fact that when you raced the VR 1000 and you were head of that program and working for Harley Davidson, and it was a factory road racing team, you know, they, the bike was distinctive in a lot of ways, the body work, the frame, but the exit on the exhaust and even the exhaust system was very special on that bike. And uh, I even mentioned how the, you know, the cans on the end of that, that VR 1000 were, and you said, you know, I actually used that uh, tailpipe or that it silencer on in the beginning on the BMW and you dynoed it and everything. Can you, can you tell that story a little bit for <laughs> yeah, us? Yeah, I did do that. <laughs> well, we had to make our own, like I said, we had to make our own motorcycle. So, you know, of course we buy forks and wheels and so forth. We still have to, you know, spec that in itself, but we have to design the triple clamps and, you know, the exhaust system we had to make. and we made that all on jigs with the you know all people that I know in their garages and so forth. And the muffler, same thing. Is, you know, which you know I still see the fabricator that made all those mufflers. I just had lunch with him yesterday. In fact, that made all the, <laughs> you know, everything fabricated on a motorcycle in the old days. He made it. You know, so we made our oil tanks and and we made we fabricated. Like I said, we made big fixtures to make our own exhaust system. We just buy the bends as we need to and weld it all together. So we made our own mufflers. But so I was in the is in the shop one day looking around in the corners and through my old pile of, I still have some engine parts for that thing. I was looking through that and I just happened to spot a silencer and I looked at it and I thought, well, that should fit. So I just looked at it and sure enough, it did, it did fit. So I put it on there and, and uh, just made, it made me feel connected from the past to the current. So I thought, well, just for fun, I got to try that. So I ran out of the dyno <laughs> to make sure it worked and it worked fine. So I put it on the bike and it ran. Well, actually, amazing. that was back when the, well, the, the stock exhaust system, the, the BMW Akrapovich exhaust is a little is quite quiet for street reasons and it wasn't quite what we needed to be for moto america that's actually what got me thinking about it so that was my my emergency plan was just to put the old vr muffler on there and make it loud and we were good <laughs> i love that story that's such a great connection um you know you, you people that are listening to this podcast i mean can get the idea of your engineering background and the fact that it, people don't probably don't know that you you actually hold a bunch of us patents for things related to that harley vr 1000 program that you had but with that in mind in your your analytical mind one of the things we've seen with josh heron um you know he's had teammates and he's kind of learned to look at data and work with teammates data one big question I have this year is since Josh is your only rider on the team, or I think is going to be your only rider, how, how will that work for him? Because I think a lot of times, and I think you might agree, having two, two riders to share data can help quite a bit to kind of see different areas. Um, how, how do you think that'll work between you and him and looking at, I don't know, the electronics maps or whatever you're going to be doing during the season? 
Well, to that point, as as I said earlier, you know, having multiple riders on the bike has been helpful. So through all the different riders focusing on different things in different ways with different language, we've kind of learned the little box that the bike works good in. And once we've got mm. it into that little box, everybody's been happy with it. <clears throat> so, you know, Jake made minimal changes to it last year. So we don't, I was, if we were, if we were on a new bike, I'd be worried about it because we're, we're, then we'd be, where, where do we need to be? But right now we know where we need to be. Um, doesn't mean we can't change it for somebody. We will, but if we need to, but we know that just where we are is, is quite good. So to put them on the bike and just ride it, <clears throat> we won't, I, I expect that we'll be in off to a very good start. You know, past that, you got to work on everybody's got a little different focus. Or they want to pick up a tent here for that, this or that reason or you know, whatever. Then, yeah, you can go into the data and look at it. But keep in mind, we got years of data from all, all these tracks except uh, except Washington. So, so we'll That's a good point. He might not have a teammate, but he has a teammate from past riders that he has several teammates from past riders that have information and data that you can you can lay over what he's doing, I guess. Right. That's pretty that, great. That's yeah. what we've been doing. Right. We just overlay the previous okay. data and we can, we're fine. Piece of cake. That's right. Piece <laughs> oh, of yeah. Cake. Sean and I <laughs> might go buy one. That's right. Well, get one. No, I, I'm pretty happy with where it's all at. You know, again, we might learn, we might become aware of a barrier why we can't, you know, win the national championship. But I don't know what it is yet. Yeah, that's a good attitude. I haven't seen one that I can say we can't win. Right. Do you, Do you feel like this year, with the changes that have happened, uh, that are, you know we all know about, do you, Do you think the playing field is level a little more? Do you think you have a better chance than you've had certainly as good a chance as you've had as ever i mean certainly you've got a top-notch rider on the bike where do you feel your program is this year heading into 2020 well i would say it's mature we're at the end of a you know we're at the end of a model design cycle and we're at the end of we're at the end of our own business cycle so it's by that i mean the you know the hayes business cycle so we're we're we built the bike up you know Fortunately, I didn't have to make any investments this year. They've all been made in the past. So we've invested in engines, we've invested in awnings, and you know, all, our, our, all of our big investments are done. So this year, we're just really, uh, really just focus on what we have and what we have, we're, we're happy with. So um, what was the rest of your question? You've got a solid rider too this year. So um, you, Steve, uh, you right. mentioned Hayes. Hayes. Go ahead. Well, I'm sorry. I was going to change something. Yeah, just to just to finish up on one thought there was, you know, the one standout feature of the bike, and I think that's true of any BMW, but I know it's true of ours, is that the bike is very solid on corner entry. So all the riders will say that they, you know, they they're always pleased with how how solid the bike is on corner entry. So you can, you know, you don't have to be gentle with it. You can you can move around. You know, to your point earlier about Josh wanting to move around a lot and so forth, the bike will tolerate that. It. um it's very strong all the way down to the point you pick up the throttle, especially since we fixed some engine braking electronics from the earlier days. So, uh, Let, Let's talk about the brakes a little bit. I mean, one thing people know about the BMW is that it's extremely fast, but one of the things you've been involved with is uh, Hayes brake systems, which you use on those bikes, and you, you have a relationship with Hayes. Uh, mm-hmm. And I had written a story, I think it was last year, that – it ultimately the, the relationship ultimately led to now uh, there are production BMW motorcycles that are being produced that have Hayes brakes on them. Can you can you talk about your involvement with Hayes, what you've been doing 
in the paddock with having them on your super bike and uh and how it kind of led to uh the production you know oem supplying of those brake systems to bmw so the haze brake thing in 2012 somebody contacted me to discuss performance improvements and they're familiar with what i was doing from the super bike side for harley um Hayes and Harley certainly knew each other well. So <clears throat> we, we took a look at the brakes and we saw some issues that we needed to change uh, straight up and we changed those and then we could see that there was more to it than that. So we started doing testing of uh, different items to learn more about how the brakes behaved, which led to how do we test things, which leads, leads to, uh, leads to you know, how do we make things and with what tools and so forth. So it, it took, you know, how do we develop, you know, methods of measuring you know caliper stiffness better and so forth there was quite a bit of background work we had to do just to get all the tools available to assess what we we're trying to do once we got some prototype parts of diff quite a few different variations we made um we tested them in various places including in snowcross racing and, and snowmobiles um we did street riding we did we bought a 2012 s1000 bmw and we did uh, uh two, me and another engineer did quite a bit of track day testing at Blackhawk Farms, a local track here, uh, just measuring data and getting a sense for feel and so forth. <clears throat> um, and that you know, one thing leads to another, and, and uh, we ended up as a final chapter of that, trying to get them on the, you know, needing to get them on a bike. And we did that in 15. I saw what Moto America was doing. I thought that's a good time to jump in. And the super stock class at the time allowed us to change the brakes, unlike the stock 1000 now. So we have to race super bikes. So we started off in super stock for that reason. And uh, just kept on testing or evaluating the brakes, I would say, and getting more and more data to what it was really like to, to race at the top of the championship in the United States. Yeah. So, Steve, talk about how, you know, this is this is perfect. So Super Stock 1000, that that was different than Stock 1000 is now in, in that you were able to do the brake thing. So you want you have ultimately wanted to move up to Superbike, but you ran Hayes brakes on your Superbikes. And can you talk about... Uh, when it it happened that and which models of BMW uh, bikes that consumers can buy actually have Hayes brand Hayes brakes and they're branded on the back of them, but they're you know tell tell us about how they're on OEM now, if you would. Well, as one of the outcomes of the work we were doing performance wise, you know, we were um, somewhere along the line there was a business relationship established between BMW and Hayes, and I think that goes back quite a wise quite a ways. OEMs all talk to each other and they all know who each other are. All their available you know, potential suppliers worldwide. So I don't know when it all started, but it was before my time. But the um, somewhere along there, the, there became an interest in it and, and uh, it evolved into the, you know, the the process. That was my project for years was to work on that side of it. And for, now it's in production on the S1, the new 2020 S1000RR and the uh, GS1250. And and how different are those brakes from what you have on the super, your super bike right now? Oh, very little. Uh, the, okay. the you know the a lot of the parts are interchangeable. So so we race a you know a billet caliper, you know, or we make our own housings for the the brakes. Actually, a different size on the super bike. You know, the super bike fork legs use a uh, more of a Japanese mounting size uh, versus the European mounting size. And so we machine our own housings for that. <clears throat> Um, but other than that, we you know, we use titanium pistons and so forth. But a lot of the pieces, like the seals and so forth, are directly interchangeable. The brake pads will interchange, for example. Well, it's very similar. 
it has a lot of the same, you know, we, we know the stiffness, we designed the stiffness of it, you know, through finite element analysis and so forth. So, we, you know, it has all the same stiffness targets and so forth as, uh, as other things. You know, one of the thing, other things I want to ask you about, Steve, is I, I know you, you, you talk about this situation. It's, it was an interesting uh, situation how Moto America came about right at a time where you could get in, you could, you get involved with this situation with your relationship already having been with Hayes Brakes. But from talking to you, I know your passion for road racing and racing and your passion for Moto America. I, I you you are one of the ones that really is championing the resurgence of road racing in America through Moto America. Can you can you talk about that passion that you have about our series a little bit? I, I think it's pretty infectious and I, I wanted the fans to hear that from you. Sure. I mean, you know, in, in the, in previous times, we had to, you know, in earlier times, I guess, before the production programs, product products that we have now, you know, like I said earlier, we had to make our own bikes. We had to make our own engines. We had to, you know, back then the series was 754 cylinders and a thousand two cylinders. So it was a lot, a lot harder to make power. We had to focus on power a lot more than we do now. So we spent an enormous amount of resource and time just working on having something to race in itself. So the, you know, the, the evolution of electronics, the evolution of velocity stacks that move up and down of overhead and under, and, uh, you know, intake manifold mounted injectors have two of them, how they transition the fuel from one to the other and run smoothly, move the velocity stacks and have it not stumble and all that. Um, we were working on that, you know, back then. And now it's been nice to see that production engineering teams with all their assets and focus and testing capabilities have productionized all that to something I can just buy at the corner store. So literally that's how it, that's what I did. I went to the border corner BMW store in Milwaukee and I, I bought a 2015 S1000 and uh, we, we loaded it in the truck and we changed a few things and, and drove out to Laguna and we were second in our first race. Mm, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But what's fun about it to me is, as I understand, you know, I was in the early phases of having to fight through all of the engineering things that we have to do and the struggles and the, you know, the, the purchasing and measuring things and the quality control. And it's, that's all been handled now. We can go buy that. You know, it's very, the equipment to, to race now is, the money's being spent on it, but it's being spent somewhere else by the OEM engineering team. So as a race team, I don't have to, I could just utilize it. I just have to make a few different changes for racing that are racing specific and, and we can go have fun you know, going about the business of racing. Right. Well, I was going to ask you the, um, you know, we always hear like, oh, that's a good Suzuki track or that's a good Yamaha track from, from your experience, which now is, you know, going on a sixth year with us. Is there, is there a certain track where the bike seems to work better than others? Mm, I, you know, I, I guess I always refuse to, you know, to me, that's a little bit like surrender, I suppose. Right. I mean, to me, there's be no excuse why we can't be the best bike on every track. And that's always my objective. You know, so it's, you know, I, I don't want to go somewhere thinking that I, you know, I shouldn't expect to win. So. All right. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the bike's, the bike's strong everywhere and we'll find out more with Josh, right? Just, you know, you know, the closer you get to the top, the more it comes out exactly what you can and can't do. Right. And what you're able to fix and not fix. I look forward to that challenge with him. Yeah, you know, one of the things I was kind of wondering is being that your location, your Michigan, Wisconsin area and Elkhart Lake uh, with Road America is kind of your home track 
every year and that is a track that favors speed and horsepower and that bmw seems to favor speed and horsepower so i was thinking you might have said based on it being your home track and all of that those factors that road america is your best track to go to but i like the fact that you're saying you want to be strong at all of them so but road right. america obviously a special place in your heart though right steve well, it certainly, yes, it does. It's, I, I love Road America and I love going there to race, but it's certainly been mixed results for me. In the old days, it was not a strong track for, for our program. Um, that was always our weakest track. And so it, was, it had the highest expectations of, of all the people that were there and all the corporate people were there. And I had the, the least expectations of what we could accomplish. And so it was always a, you know, there was always an underlying discontent that I experienced when I went there. So that was part of part of my motivation when I went there in 18 was that's that was the track. I said, we, you know, we finally have to step up to superbike engine performance. And we did it right before Road America. I said, I, I, I cannot, I need to go to Road America and be, and be fast. And sure enough, we, we were, um, the engine, I remember Danny, when he came in the first time and flipped up his shield, you know, he was, his eyes were big and he said, this is strong. So that was, uh, <laughs> yeah. We were pleased. I was pleased to hear that. And I was pleased to see him draft by Tony a couple of times on the front straight. And I think there was one or two sessions we set, you know, set high speed during that, during that race. Mm -hmm. Has, has Josh Heron indicated in any way to you um, that he sees this as a, a challenge and he's pretty excited about like almost the, the same way that you choose to race a BMW because it's different. I wonder if Josh embraces the fact that, you know, you guys are a little bit smaller team. You're a different brand. Um, I wonder. I wonder if he thinks of that as a challenge. Has he articulated that at all to you? Well, we've certainly talked about it a little bit, but you know, but you'd have to defer to him for specific comments and quotes about that part. But um, he's certainly up for the challenge, and I think we'll work together as a team. And I'm looking forward to it. I don't see any reason why we can't we can't succeed. We, we think Jack Aaron is up for any challenge, basically. Yeah, and I, I think he's thrived in a, in a more of an underdog role um, with a smaller team. Um, I think he showed that in the past than, than with, with, the, with, with factory team. So, you know, he, he was in our office a couple of weeks ago, and he's, he, he was, you know, he couldn't say yet what he was going to do, but we kind of knew what he was going to do. But he did, uh, he did talk about how... Um, how he was looking forward to it and, uh, and thought it was going to be fun. And, and, you know, and he even mentioned the underdog part. So yeah, I think it's going to be, I'm excited yeah. for both of you guys. Yeah. Thanks. Well, I did see the underdog part of it in 17, you know, it was, it was, uh, I saw some spectacular riding on his behalf to try to fight his way up to the front. And he did you know, to be able to race with the group the group in the front. So, um, um, hey, Steve, we're running out of time here on our podcast, but there's one thing I want to touch on. You actually talked about this when you were talking about your relationship with Hayes. You had gone to Blackhawk and ridden the bike. Well, I know for a fact I've got photos of you and remember from the early days with the VR1000 program, you actually rode that bike and one of the, one of, were one of the first riders to be on that bike too. You have ridden a lot in your past. You are a racer. You know, can you talk a little bit about that? The fact that, you know, you, you're an engineer, you're an inventor uh with patents galore and obviously uh, own a team work with a lot of sponsors and have to ha be a people person from that point of view but you're also a racer at heart is, is that correct well right that's how i got hooked on all this i mean i grew up motocross riding um when i was a kid and 
And I wasn't the best at that. I had fun with it, but I wasn't the best at it. But then I somehow early in my engineering career in Detroit with Roush, I got hooked on, I got exposed to road racing, mostly on the car side. And I quickly kind of figured out that I, I really, my, my, my preference in, in, in history has been with motorcycles. So I kind of quickly converted to motorcycles. And that was the beginning of the GSXR Cup. Um, that's, so that's what I started out was 88 GSXR. I was able to get one. It was crashed and you know, inexpensive. And, just went racing. So that's, that's one of the most invigorating things I've ever done is road racing a motorcycle. It's that's, there's just nothing like it. You know, you know, it's, that's I, cool. well, I, even I have, you know, I fly airplanes and helicopters and they're fun, but it's just, I just, my memory of how in, the intensity and the, you know, the experience of road racing, there's just, there's no, there's no equivalent for that. That's great. I think that's a good place to yeah, wrap up. Yeah, I do Paul. too. And um, Sean, uh, thank you, Sean, again, and and Steve. Thanks for for finally being able to join us. I know uh, I know you had <laughs> to get pen to paper on some things before you could actually talk to us about it. But uh, I appreciate you coming. Right. Uh, real quick, Sean, I got to do some business before we leave. Do, I wanted to know if you bought your Moto America Live Plus subscription yet. <laughs> Well, I know we've been advertising it a lot on social media. I haven't gotten mine yet, but uh, I guess I should. Is that what uh, you're just saying? Just to let everybody know out there on Sunday, March 1st, which is obviously, uh, it'll be tomorrow when you hear this podcast, uh, is the last day for the special preseason um, pricing of fifty four ninety five. After that, the price is going to go up a bit. Um, so if you're going to do it, I would do it now. But uh, again, thank you guys for, for joining me and... Uh, We'll talk again soon, Steve. I'm sure we're going to see you at the barber test. Right. We'll be there. We're just uh, right now. The guys are just showing up at one o'clock and we got to get it all loaded up and get on the road. Thanks guys. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Paul.